It is the APC podcast, or maybe a show of a different name. We'll figure it out. From AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation Training Camp is officially, officially underway. We got uh, a week's worth, I guess, of semi-legitimate Green Bay Packers stuff now under our belts to talk about. So let's do that. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod. Uh, again, for now, we'll figure it out. And I am joined once again by my, uh, my my trusty friends here. Firstly, Alex. Alex Patakis out in Brooklyn. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, did you have an oven-related emergency? You were running a little bit late. What's in the <laughs> oven? Um, I was sorry. I, I texted asking if we were starting right at the top of the hour that we had planned to record uh, so I can time out the preheating of the oven. Um, but then it actually took me longer to prepare food that's going to go in the oven. Uh, I'm just, I'm making a fish. So I've been trying to make a lot of whole fish recently because I feel like it's like, I don't know, just more fun than buying the fillets. So, um, but they didn't like butterfly it for me. So they gutted it and scaled it. But then like I had to find my sharpest knife and like continue the work that basically enables it to open up, uh, which was hard. So it was like, kind of like a nasty fishy bloody mess in the kitchen and i wanted to get a really good hand wash in before i came and started touching all my electronics that's fair so uh, yes apologies for being late not that anyone listening to this knows that but yeah you are excused <laughs> also presumably not covered in fish guts it's ben foldy also in new york how are you <laughs> uh i'm good i'm not covered in fish guts but if you were your cat would uh be all over you i should be cleaning you up he would be into it yeah <laughs> but he's not He's just chilling. So the whole fish, huh? That's I. I like that idea. Like, there's like a. It seems very in touch with your roots. Well, I was gonna say. So I. It's not nice weather today. I originally intended to grill it, which uh, for anyone who's tried to grill fish knows it's a mess. Unless you get one of those like cages, uh-huh. which is one of two uber Greek purchases I made this summer <laughs> because I can't travel there. And there's like two things I need, and it's like a whole like bronzino or sea bass or whatever grilled uh or cooked like over an open flame uh and uh frappes so when, i got some greek say, coffee and i'm making when, some ice frappes so when you say cage that. you mean like you mean like the the two like yeah it's like a clamp it, it, like, like thing it in it and you can just flip the clamp right exactly yeah. and it's like the shape of a fish yeah yeah, you know? yeah so it just like nestles in there perfectly and we tried it once earlier this summer it worked out great so um yeah you know you're just capturing little elements of an aegean summer uh, since I'm basically just trapped in dirty old Gowanus uh, <laughs> for the time being. so Got to get up to Astoria. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I'm going there for dinner on Thursday. Where are you going to go? Um, so there's like a three-man rotation of of <laughs> Greek restaurants. I feel Zach getting restless. So you can cut this out. Uh, but uh, I do really keeping like it in. Stamatis, and I really like Telly's. Um, and then I, uh, I've never done Taverna Kiklades actually, which, but there's always just too much of a weight. That's like the really famous fish place. that's like on a corner and everything, but SVL bar has the best like pork souvlaki, chicken souvlaki you'll ever try in the United States, maybe huh. better than Greece. So if you're ever wanting like a to go scenario, SVL bar right off the train stop, uh, 
right there on like 31st or whatever. Uh, um, Greek listeners, you can send their hate mail to Alex Patakis at Alex Patakis on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, for anyone who doesn't eat fish or meat, uh, go to the eight minute mark of this podcast and um, start listening to whatever we're going to talk about. If you I mean, ever this- get a chance to go to Taverna Coast is really good for seafood too. In uh, Is it in Astoria? Yeah. Nice. I'll have to do it. Honestly, Thanks like for the tip. talking talking like fish options in Queens is fine by me because uh, what else? It's like wall to wall Bortles talk. I was joking on Twitter today. Is that is that what we're <laughs> we're in for? I don't know. You know, it's early training camp. We're firing up the pod. There's there is stuff to talk about, but I don't mind. I don't mind talking fish for a little while. <laughs> um, that's all I got. Yeah. Unless anyone else has any pressing fish questions, we can talk about the the football team that we care about. Is that a pun? uh, Pressing fish because you're—that's what you're doing in the little cage thing. (laughs) Uh, No, not intended. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, highly recommended if all of you people who like to grill, you're scared of grilling fish, just buy that thing. Life becomes easy. Buy the thing. Life becomes easy. That's kind of like the American slogan. Buy that thing. Life becomes easy. Yeah, um, <laughs> pretty much. I was joking I mean, one, about uh, wall-to-wall Bortles talk, but um, last week we 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 joked at his expense, of course, because he was uh, unceremoniously released before we ever really got to know him. But have you either of you guys like seen any of the random footage of him that's available uh, online? Just sort of like him giving interviews and, and living his life. What a st- <laughs> What a strange dude. I have not. Uh, do you care to recap it very briefly for us? The only thing that I will say is that like, he's like a bro's bro. And what I mean by that is like, there's a certain level of, of broiness, which is like not compatible with me. It's just someone I'm not interested in knowing, but then there's the upper level, the extra broiness that almost like it goes like, it comes around, it's like a circular spectrum and it's all the way back into like a personality that I just think is, is hilarious where it's like, I can't tell if he's joking. I don't think he is. I don't know. I don't have a great it example. Has, it has to be. So, it's like, is it, is it where like broness crosses over from like date rape threat into like harmless territory? That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. Like you're just like, this guy's like a puppy dog. Yes. I mean, I guess the thing is, I don't know. <laughs> is Probably that true? I don't know, but yeah, no, I know. I mean, like, I guess where where does is Gronk like? Where's Gronk on that borderline? Oh, I mean, he's. I I don't think he's. I don't have nearly the tolerance for that okay. guy. I would. If say. he didn't, if he played for the, if he played for the Packers, would you? I'd like to think not, but okay. I don't know. I'm only human. I'm a football fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do either of you know people from uh, UCF, Central Florida? I because Blake Bortles is like embodies the UCF brand perfectly. Let's just say that, and I can say that because I have very close friends and family who went there, and I, uh, I he's just like exactly what you'd expect to be for like arguably the most high profile football player to come out of that program. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking, I, I Googled like Blake Bortles interview and I, hit number four. It looks like on the YouTube is Blake Bortles bought a Tesla to quit dipping. And that sounds like a very like Blake Bortles experience. <laughs> of a... uh, yeah. See what you're well, missing Packers fans. See what you're missing. 
Look, you could well, you could have an incredibly cerebral quarterback who just tortures you for an entire offseason, or <laughs> you could have you could have Blake Zing. Bortles. Zing. I wasn't ready with the air horn, but that was that was a zinger. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should like transition into making a podcast. I never know how this thing works. I we're we're here, we're recording. We're talking Packers. Here's the thing we can do. We can uh, we 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 told you guys that we were planning on getting a little weird and feeling the freedom to get weirder than usual this season. So uh, one thing that I thought we would introduce is the idea of of haikus. And maybe this isn't the pomp and circumstance we were looking for, but uh, Ben and I both wrote haikus. I think uh, relevant to current Packers. Um, news items or just relative to the team and uh alex i'm gonna shame you i don't think you wrote one for this episode i didn't do my homework assignment i feel bad um yeah i'll uh i'm gonna pretend to go to the bathroom as the homework is collected and and (laughs) when i come back everybody's forgotten about it ben i can cue up the sounder if you want to read your haiku oh sure i'll go first all right here we go we're gonna we're gonna play the sounder we're gonna have a little bit of running water comes into the picture. There's some birds in the background. It's very subtle, but just kind of, you know, getting that peaceful frame of mind. It's a peaceful form of art. Let me hear it, Ben. Rogers and Cobb are back. Friendly for more than 10 years. Not 12. Amari. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, Cobb's back. I don't uh I don't know, man. You you love this. Alex, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I, I like that. I enjoyed that thoroughly. How are you feeling? I uh I don't know. Do we want to digest this one and, and, and unpack it or do we just want to go into mine and then I don't know. I I should have planned this out more instead of just like throwing spaghetti against a wall when I'm half a whiskey into a real real boat race of a podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> unpack it if you'd like. I unpack it? You yeah, guys sure. unpack it. And, like, like don't it. ask a poet to to explain the meaning like that you guys impart the meaning. Uh I it sounds it sounds to me from what I recall from 30 seconds ago that uh you are uh, a little worried about uh, Cobb taking away developmental snaps from Amari Rogers. Am I wrong about that? No, I just think it's cute that they've been like buddies for so long, and now they're on the same team. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's 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 something that I didn't know at all until uh, until the Randall Cobb uh, press conference. You feel like that would have been a bigger story sooner. Oh, it was a bit pretty big story. I thought. Um, I don't know if. Like I, I felt like it got a ton of play in terms of, um, you know, his dad coaching him and him watching him growing up and being super close. Like right after that pick was made, I thought that was kind of like the big, the big narrative street. I don't remember that, but you read. I don't read. I'm not a reader. It's all good. <laughs> I took the low hanging fruit. I'll go. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go next. We'll we'll set the scene once again. Let the running water come. Get into a state of relaxation, and here we go. Calculated risk. Dearth at inside linebacker. Randy Ramsey's out. 
I feel like that one's not really open to interpretation. <laughs> I don't know if either of you guys saw this, but Randy Ramsey suffered a significant injury. And wouldn't it be nice if we had a nice little stable of decent inside linebackers at any point in the last 15 years? Would be nice. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be such a big deal if he wasn't also like a core special teams player, I guess. It's kind of also so what I'm getting I, at. As we're kind of hashing this out, uh, I I love a haiku. Um, that felt very much like a news update. Are, is that the goal going forward? Because I feel like we should do this like every so often, a consistent thing. And I feel like you could easily see people writing in some pretty creative ones too that we could then read. Engagement. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag engagement. Well, my, mine was kind of formatted like a news item because I kind of like... As it should be on like the third of August at this point in the football season. I, <laughs> like, I think, but I think we can feel free to get as like in our feelings as we want and really, you know, explore the explore the space as they say. I love it. And I also uh, agree. Send us your haikus at any point in time at the APC Pod on Twitter or the APC Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your poetry, and uh, if it makes the cut, we'll read it on the air with the uh, running water behind it. <laughs> That is a good sounder. <sighs> the most productive thing I did all day was make that sound. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, moving on, I guess, sort of to the, the meat of the show. And Alex, we, we texted about this uh, a couple days ago, but I, I, I wanted, and it's a little tongue in cheek, to tee up a segment that we're calling What We've Learned So Far in Training Camp. Because I think that uh, a lot of entities are, are putting out a lot of content, putting a lot of effort into really digging into the minutia of some snap by snap breakdowns in, in training camp and, um, and keeping stats and keeping scores and, and all this stuff that I think is, I don't know, it's, I guess it's fun if you really, really are craving that after a long summer, but it is kind of meaningless. So, uh, I've got a list here of, uh, some other fun things or not so fun things I think we've learned in training camp and just thought we could, uh, I don't know, go down the list. Here's something that I've learned in the first week of training camp, uh, and that is that I really already miss Jamal Williams more than I thought I would. I don't know if you guys have seen any of this, but um, you know he's in Detroit. Obviously, I, he's he made there were two reporters like vying for his attention to ask a question. He made them do rock paper scissors in real time to uh, see who could who could ask him the question first. Uh, he's back to his he's back in. Uh, Mid-season form in terms of off-the-wall answers, and uh, I've seen some footage online of uh, practice field dance moves, and it's just just like we were talking about last week. Randall Cobb is a player that's impossible not to like. Jamal Williams is also a, a, a player and a guy who's impossible not to like. And uh, I just, I don't know. I miss him. I miss that guy. Yeah. It's a shame more people don't carry themselves with a lightness, like with a with a similar lightness, like he does when you're playing a game. For I get that it's a brutal game, but uh, he just seems like super aware that this is supposed to be fun. And uh, yeah, I just wish more people were like that. Yeah, especially at his position, where he's really just—I mean, there's no way around it. You're just taking a beating the whole time, even at practice, and to just be so just goofy and irreverent all the time. I just really appreciate that. Yeah. I haven't watched any of the uh, Lions related content of him. I'm kind of, based on what you're saying, I kind of don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's yeah. a little, brought a little tear to my eye. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I want to miss him any longer, any more than I feel like I already do. But you know, locker room vibes. This Packers team doesn't care. Speaking of locker room vibes, here's another one that I wanted to to hit on. Uh, because I think that Julius Peppers was a big locker room guy for this team, uh, as well as a, a meaningful and very talented player. All seven foot three of him, it seemed like on the field. <laughs> on the field, uh, something I learned this week, I think, from the Aaron Rodgers uh, presser, and I'll paraphrase a little bit. And so I, I, I'm going to take his word for it, but it sounds like he was saying that Julius Peppers was willing to take something like a year-to-year, $3 million a year deal so that he could end his career as a Packer, a guy who spent so much time with the Panthers and then with the Bears, um, then spent a couple years here and wanted to retire here on the cheap, and they didn't even offer him a contract. I learned that, and I was not happy about it, I have to say. Yeah, that didn't feel great. (laughs) But I think, can can we just like... The one thing that stood out to me after the conference was like, it's really easy to criticize where the Packers let skill guys go. But given how well Elton Jenkins is playing, like, I don't think that the front office has gotten enough credit for keeping a remarkably consistent, very high quality offensive line together for Rodgers to play with. And and both from the fans and from Rodgers, it seems like. There isn't a whole lot of uh, respect given where it's due in in holding together probably the most important part of the offense other than 12. So anyway. That's fair. I think I thought Rodgers made a bunch of very fair points. For sure. I'm not I'm not I'm not criticizing overall. I just mean like I think that I think it's really easy to be like, oh, they need a wide receiver. They've only got the best wide receiver in the game. And, yeah. you know, but like it's like, yeah, they've got the best wide receiver in the game top five offensive line that they managed to keep going even with turnover. Like, I don't know. Brian Gutekunst has an extremely hard job and Aaron Rodgers made it harder. I think there's like no doubt about that. I also think Rodgers made of made fair points. I mm-hmm. think Gutekunst made fair points. It's like the lamest take of all. I, a, a pox on both their houses. As, as Mark. Murray I mean, isn't, said. isn't that kind of the big takeaway of all this though, is like, this is just how, people both you know especially high performing people end up relating to their job after a while and that like yep the mistake by packers fandom and everybody else is by like every stupid take is usually forgetting that this is like purely a job yeah. and an employment and a relationship between an employer and and labor and management yes i agree i also i hesitate to draw to I think it's really easy to draw parallels between an NFL team and like a regular ass workplace and I think that that sometimes is not a fair comparison I don't know I in in principle I I agree with you um the thing that struck me though about the about Julius Peppers and I guess some of the other guys that that Rogers mentioned I think it was Jason Wildey kind of p- pushed on Gudekunst in his press conference saying, you know, like it's it's been the longstanding philosophy of this team that it's better to get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. Mm-hmm. Are there ever exceptions to that rule? And Gudekunst said, not very often, probably more often than we've allowed in the past, but not very often. And I thought 
that was very telling, but I also think it's kind of like a false premise because it's not a year, it's not, those aren't the only two options, a year too early or a year too late. And I think that this is an example of that. Julius Peppers for $3 million, you're telling me for $3 million for a one year deal or something that's at least on a handshake basis year to year, like that's, that's right on time is the other option there. It's a year too late or you too early, right on time or a year too late. And I feel like they haven't been open to that one. And that just seems like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just more annoyed that I couldn't watch Julius Peppers for like one more year or Charles Woodson for one more year who wanted to take a big pay cut. I think that, you know, guys like Jordy Nelson, it's it's easier to see the case on the front office side. Like they could tell that he was basically toast. But some of these guys, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Yeah, I mean, I I feel for... I thought Rogers was pretty when when he was pressed in the press conference by Tom Silverstein. I think it was saying like, "Oh, well, you would have been wrong if that like whole list of guys is like guys you wanted to keep." Um, I tend to agree with him that like for the price that those guys seemingly were willing to come back for, you can't really argue that that production wouldn't be worth that price. I mean, I didn't realize I guess Charles Woods made a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowls or whatever, but like he was still a really productive player and like like you're saying like a year too early or a year too late just implies that like they would be coming back for another year in a really significant role like why couldn't julius peppers be he already kind of was like a situation a situational pass rusher with his experience and i guess like his uh you know like the weight that his presence carries in the locker room or whatever um for three million dollars seems like a steal and I don't know what Woodson's like contract looks like. I don't remember like what his contract with Oakland looked like when he left, but I would have to imagine if he had the same production for Oakland in Green Bay and was making the same money, you know, we could compare like who else stepped into that role and probably say it would have been worth that value. But like also he mentioned like Micah Hyde, you know, there's there's a it's a pretty long list. Yeah, there was a long list. So like, and I think for a while, what happened with Ted Thompson was like the year too early thing always worked out in his favor. Um, But now like it's kind of bore out over time. There's more of these guys they're letting go. Or there's like a lot, there's actually quite a few guys who are former Packers who are productive around the league. Um, I mean, contract situation completely different, but Casey Hayward also like stage of his career. I mean, there's a lot. Um, I love that Brett Good made that list. By the way, yeah, that was. I mean, Brett Good was. Uh, you know, that guy played. Forever. I was just throwing like that. He's one of my friends. I want him here. Everyone wants to work with their friends. Jay Kumaro was another example of that, where it's like you got to cut the front office some slack. I mean, that guy left and then didn't do anything because they could like, uh, you know. But on the other hand, in terms of, um, you know, the the front office and their scouting ability and their perception of, of their players, I think that Micah Hyde is a really good example of like. They blew it with that guy. They had him pegged as a role player who was like pretty reliable and versatile, but not, I guess, not like a, a star starter. And they were just flat out wrong. And not only were they wrong about that, but they were wrong like immediately. It was obvious. Casey Hayward, too. But it does beg the question. I mean, I mean, you know, there's I'm reminded of there's a, a financial journalist I respect a lot and at the end of the year he does something called hindsight capital which is where like he sees what would have been the best investment knowing you know 
with full like a year later what what would have been the best investment um but you don't you know am I, are we supposed to believe that Rodgers was going to bat for Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward or is he only going bet to bat for old veteran types who've been on the team long enough for him to care about like I, I don't know I Do think we, like, Micah Hyde came forward and said that when he when that all went down Rodgers reached out to him after the fact to say basically that like he thought he had been done dirty but I can't I don't think that he like was in a position to or or did go to bat for him like during all of that I don't think like yeah. bef- before the decision was made I mean well and now we know what kind of player he is we probably didn't know it back then but that's also cuz like I feel like a number of those he Casey Hayward those guys just were coached poorly yeah and that's what really sucks it's like if you're going to be the draft and develop team you have to know how to develop and there was a probably a significant period of time towards the end of the Thompson era era when they did not develop they drafted they didn't really develop and the only development was just like what Rodgers can do with guys that are like, you know, good value for where they were selected and shit like that. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. If you if you are gonna be the draft and develop team, you gotta have good coaches. You gotta be able to get these guys ready to play. Yeah, which for a long time they did. I mean, the pipeline was strong, but um there was clearly a disconnect there. Uh and that's that's kind of what did in this whole era. But I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when Rogers is talking about all those guys and he's thinking about his like football mortality and how he said like it, when they drafted love, it doesn't really seem like it is his choice anymore. Like that's also like, he's projecting a lot of his own feelings onto like those guys and how they say that they felt like they yep. were done dirty or whatever. Cause I feel like he is just basically reading the writing on the wall saying like, there's no way for this to end without me being done dirty. Um, because in his mind, he should be able to play quarterback for them until he does not want to anymore. Yep. Like, ever if he's physically incapable. Um, and, you know, it's hard to argue with. I, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I, the presser was interesting. I thought it was funny that, you know, we, I guess we haven't really recapped it in full. I don't know that we need to, but it was right after we did our previous pod. And I did feel a lot better afterwards. Like, like in the podcast, I feel like, you know, we talked about the situation and it was just kind of this lack of clarity. And after Rogers spoke, even though he was pointing to a lot of things that are very clearly like still wrong, I just felt like it's all out there now. And then I could all just kind of like exhale and he could start throwing balls into really small holes and nets like 40 yards down the field and we could all just start feeling good again. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. Everyone was predicting everyone. Most people that I follow were predicting that, you know, heading into a press conference like that, that Rogers was not really going to say anything meaningful. And it was just going to be like, like, yeah, we had some, you know, issues, some miscommunications. We worked it out. I'm here now. Let's, you know, let's thinking about the future. We got a great team. Really excited to be here. Blah, blah, blah. And he just didn't do that. He just talked for a half hour about very specific grievances. And it was, um, whether you agree with him or not, it was incredible. It was all of the enlightenment that we had been craving for months. Very enlightened. Yeah, hundred percent. So I don't know. I think it's great. It's out there. You move on. You know, he's a, probably super motivated. Not that he ever had an issue with that, but he's, you know, I, I, I he's talking to Gutekunst out on the practice field. I saw everyone, everyone is tweeting that photo. Oh, I didn't see that. What are they? What are they talking? Oh, it was it was a lot on a lot of accounts today uh, from practice. Um, 
a photo of them like standing next to each other talking. Everyone's like, I wonder what they could be saying. We're looking at we're looking it up right now. <laughs> Keep stalling. I'm looking it up. There they are. Look at them talking. Two men talking. That's a big learning. Actually, it's something we've known for a while, but uh, they're professional enough to move on and get the job done and go to work. So yeah, hooray for that. <laughs> hooray for them. Um, speaking of getting the job done, uh, here's something else uh, that we learned. I've learned so far in, in training camp. I've learned that uh, Preston Smith thinks that the dip in uh, his pass rush production last year came from being asked to play more in coverage. But um, in thinking about that more and teasing it out, his pressure rate adjusted for those numbers also fell off a cliff. So yes, he was asked to play more in coverage, but his success rate uh, as a pass rusher still tanked um, and he took a pay cut. So it feels to me very much like a, a prove you still got it year from Preston Smith. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I like show me contracts. It's, it's you know, it's kind of I think usually it's kind of best for the player and best for the team. So it's nice to know that he enjoyed dropping into coverage about as much as we enjoyed watching him drop into coverage, too. <laughs> that too. Very self-aware of him. I wonder if he ever said anything to his coaching staff like, hey, guys, this isn't it. As he's backpedaling, he's like saying to himself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I uh, agree, Ben. We talked a lot about show me contracts uh, last year and and the idea of maybe show me being, you know, flipping the script on that. But I agree with that in principle. And we we mentioned uh, Gronkowski earlier. Uh, in the podcast, and we don't talk about him often on this podcast, obviously, but something that he said, uh, I think, um, at the end of this uh, past season, was that uh, he loved being on a one-year deal. He's a one-year deal guy forever now, and that's all he's ever going to do. And obviously, there's um, he, you know, he can dictate those terms because of the player that he is. But should more players do that? I don't know. It seems to seems to make some sense like you know uh you know a guy like Xavier Howard uh in in Miami being all pissed cuz his contract is you know was good and is no longer good well that's because you signed for however many years and things change i mean i think i think it's maybe it's once you get to a certain kind of level of base earnings a, a one year contract is good I, I think the downside risk is if you're not a player who's had your big payday yet you know, yeah. whatever your big first free agency breakthrough is. Got to get that signing you know, bonus money. You, yeah, you get hurt and there there it goes. So yeah. you get the Javon Walker outcome. So. Oof. Also, second podcast in a row, we've talked about hashtag the Javon Walker outcome. I was just going to say he's coming up a lot lately. Did I bring him up last week? Too? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was a really That's... formative moment in my life as a Packers fan. I was like, I think that was like that was really the time where like this is a brutal business in which no one is your friend. The franchise is not like does not have the player's best interest at heart. And if you if you are like if you're pulling for them, you're a rube. Uh, that was like the Javon Walker moment for me. If anyone out there, any listener out there is having trouble like placing us three age wise, I feel like that's a good indication that like the Javon Walker thing was a formative, like early, like late teen, early adult moment, basically where we're like, Oh, it's a business. I see. Yeah. 
I'm trying to remember what year was that, 2004? I don't know. I don't know. I refuse. It was like that in Midwest Express. Like, yeah, it's just all all downhill from there. (laughs) What else did we we learn from uh, training camp so far? Oh, we learned that the Packers have 11, I think, at, at the last time I counted, 11 total unvaccinated players out of, how is it? A hundred at this point, ninety. Uh, they don't. They're not down to ninety. I don't know. It's it's a lot. So that feels pretty good to me. I don't know. I don't know what we're comparing it against. I guess we can compare it against uh, the Vikings because we learned that I guess none or most of their quarterbacks are not vaccinated. Was it three of four had to go into COVID protocol? Doesn't surprise me much. Um, but yeah, I guess only eleven. Out, like you said, is actually pretty good. I was like, oh wow, eleven players. Like, what are we doing? But I would. Above, I wonder what the rate is. Isn't it? Yeah, that's above the national average for like just people. I was just gonna say like what the yeah what the percentage is compared to the general population and also like other teams in the NFL. Um, I saw a tweet today, just like moments before we hit record, that claims that league wide uh, player vaccination rate is ninety percent. That feels very high to me, but I don't know. Saw it on Twitter. It must be true. I think that the NFL's um, insistence that not only do your teammates lose their contracts, but the team that has to give up your game will also lose their payment. I thought that was a smart move. Um, as much as I think it's also like a, you know, I don't, I don't like to defend the league doing something anti-labor and coercive. Uh, I think in ter- in general, I think that was kind of a smart way to motivate peer pressure. Yeah, it's like the opposite of a rising tide. Uh, lifts all boats a sinking tide sinks all boats <laughs> don't be the jerk don't be the problem Aaron <laughs> uh, didn't Mark Murphy say that about Aaron Rodgers yeah anyway he's, he's a complicated fella he's a complicated fella oh man oh. no one understands but his lady <laughs> the big Irish goofball coming in hot the big Irish goofball uh, did we learn anything else in training camp? I don't know. You guys have any uh, anything? I would say the only two little ones I had were very recent from reading all these practice reports. One, I learned that it probably is normal to be worrying about Devontae Adams now. Like some of the, I don't know. That's a good one. Worrying about him leaving or worrying about him as a player? Yeah, no, worrying about him leaving, not as a player. I think he's just like, I I just don't see how this, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, that's a a concrete thing that we learned. We learned that he thinks he He should be be the top paid wide receiver. Top paid receiver and doesn't seem like he's going to be someone who settles for less than that. Right. And we learned that that Gutekunst does not. You know, uh, however he wants to, with the, whatever game he's playing, I, like, what did he say? He, he, I think he was like implying in his press conference that he thought that, is it Hopkins? Who's the, the one yeah, con, the Hopkins? Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. He's basically just implying that like that contract's not fair. So we want to strike that one from the record in terms of level setting where you I are. I mean, it is a stupid contract. It is both a stupid contract. And as far as Devonte Adams is concerned, it is fair game. It's on the table. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the other thing, and 
that I've learned that I also just wanted to quickly mention that Justice Mosqueda referred to, I think, in what he wrote at acmepackingcompany.com today, is I thought that the comments made uh, in the conversation back and forth from, uh, you know, friend of Devontae Adams, former Packer James Jones's interview with Adams at training camp was interesting about uh, how it's just really confusing to think like Russ Ball. I know that Russ Ball is like this hard ass negotiator, whatever. And he's like the guy who makes the salary cap seem fake to us as Packers fans and all that. But um, like, I thought, you know, justice alluded to this in like a one, one sentence is like this topic for another day. But the fact that like, that's the name that comes up instead of the general manager, just to like the, you know, uh, to someone who's very clearly like dealt with this Packers organization makes it very evident that like the power structure in Green Bay is still really fucking confusing. It's very like mean. it was just so much more peaceful when there was one guy at the top and he happened to be brilliant and likable and wear his white new balances and probably just like, you know, never emote anything. Uh, but now it's like Russ Ball is a shadowy figure. It feels like, and, that's who they're bringing up when it comes to like Devontae Adams' future. So I don't know, man, that, that just worried me a little. Yeah. It was interesting um, in hearing, uh, we don't need to trying. I keep trying not to go back to the Aaron Rodgers presser. Cause I feel like we've said all we need to say, but that's hard though. I mean, that's like a big moment in this franchise. It's a big it's deal. Like, it's a big deal. And yeah. I, I just like everyone is, a lot of the feedback from that I'm seeing on, on Twitter and elsewhere is like, Oh, Rogers versus Gutekunst. It's like gloves off. It's like, I don't know. I was hearing a lot of Rogers versus Russ ball in that. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. all, cause it all comes down. It all comes down to the money, the shadowy guy behind the curtain who, who makes it all go, who makes room if, if there's room to make and doesn't, if he doesn't think there is. And and not the money for Aaron too, because he clarified that a number of times. Yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to be clear. You know, it's not like I feel like I'm underpaid or whatever. Um, maybe, maybe you know, he, he was trying to make himself look good. But I do genuinely believe that his gripe is that you know players who've been there, very productive, who can help them win, are not valued. Yeah, because he's right to point out, like, what else is to draw? <laughs> like. You know, yeah. I also, I, 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 I mean, but isn't, I mean, isn't it really just, I mean, that's not a gripe so much with Russ Ball. It's a gripe with the salary cap in general. It's a gripe with the league and it's a gripe with the structure of the league. That's and, the thing that I kind of ke- have kept coming back to over the course of the off season when trying to think about like, what are Aaron Rodgers gripes? And now we know them and we know them. And for the most part, many of them, I can safely say are the same everywhere. And that's, I think something that, uh, Ben, you were pointing out earlier in terms of, um, you know, you're just, you're just, you're somewhere for a long time and you see people get done dirty. You see how the sausage is made and it grates on you after a while. Yeah. I guess I, I, I think what I wish is that, is that, that anger were turned instead into, you know, leveraging the NFLPA. I know, I know Aaron also left his NFLPA rep spot after saying that the, the CBA negotiations were garbage or whatever he said. Um, but I, I, you know, it's a pretty high pro- profile player and his, a lot of his gripes seem to be with the structure of the sport and the way that the Packers kind of in turn react to the structure of the sport yeah. as a small market franchise and a team that really like doesn't have an owner whose whims blow up the budget. Um, and I sort of wish that 
everybody could train their guns on who deserves it, which is by and large not the Green Bay Packers and the rest of the ownership structure. It is the rest of the ownership structure of the league. It's been Jerry Jones all along. That asshole. All right. Uh... (laughs) That's a good end point, maybe. Uh, Should we hit the poker with that? Jerry Jones is an asshole. (laughs) We're doing it. We're hitting the polka because I think that's it. Because I forgot to turn my ceiling fan on again. It's kind of hot in these rhinos and I'm sweating. And let's be real. This was fun. This was tongue in cheek. But we're a week into like some stuff kind of happening and being loosely covered on Twitter and being photographed from a distance by reporters. And I don't know. Other people got hard hitting stuff for you. We're just trying to have some fun. That's it. I don't know. I had fun. Maybe you'll, uh, did you have enough fun to uh, write a haiku next time? Can we keep that going? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was was wrist deep in fish, literally. (laughs) Bones out, guts out. Uh, The APC pod, wrist deep in fish. (laughs) That came out weird. All right, that's it. (laughs) At the APC pod on Twitter. Um, At Ben Foldy, at Alex Patakis, at Zach Rapport. Keep it locked into the blog, the acmepackingcompany.com, all that stuff. That's it. See you guys later. Peace.